0: not terrible, it's watchable it's stylish, it goes at a nice pace and there's some good moments in it and as I say the acting is great and it looks great but fundamentally... That was my
1: fear I didn't feel like I'd wasted my time watching it
0: My problem with it was I had zero patience for this film just none at all and for me it was just like watching the film I'm. I. I. I, I couldn't... I mean partly this might be me but I personally was just like I'm, I'm ju- I have so little time for this nonsense right now. Hello, and welcome to the Story Toolkit. I'm Basim Wakil, co-author of Action, The Art of Excitement, with Robert McKee, and joining me is Luke Lionel, writer and part of the McKee Storylog Team. So today, we're going to talk about Atomic Blonde.
1: Yes. And as always, um, get in touch with any shows or films or books or anything, really. Anything. What's on yeah. your mind? Talk to us. <laughs> Talk to us, listeners. Yeah. Um, at the Story Toolkit on Twitter and the storytoolkit.wordpress.com is the website with all the episodes, and you can email us direct through there. And a big thank you to everybody who's been doing that so far.
0: Yes, thank you. Um, and um, so let's get into Atomic Blonde. Yes. Let's just do it. Let's do it. Uh, for disclosure, uh, it is not a good film. Um, like, I didn't like it. Luke didn't like it. Uh, also, McKee just did a Works Doesn't Work on it. Yeah. And they didn't like it either. So, <laughs> it, it, yeah. I was actually really looking forward to Atomic Blonde. Really looking forward to it, because I love Shelley's Theron. And The trailer The
1: trailer. looked good, but the trailer had also passed me by. So it came on the radar, because uh, I was working on the Works Doesn't Work. uh with, um, with McKee. Um, I,
0: was, I was really excited for it because I love Charlize Theron. I saw her talking about it and I thought, wow, that sounds like this should be really good. Um, the cast is incredible. Yeah. It's Toby Jones, John Goodman in secondary roles. And then you've got James McAvoy and Sophia Batella. How
1: underused and uninteresting is Toby Jones in this movie,
0: right? How... I mean, Terrifying is it that Toby Jones kind of steals the scenes he's in, right <laughs> He's just so he, the, the, so a lot of the film takes place in an interrogation room between Charlize Theron, Toby Jones and John Goodman and it's it's just dripping with tension from the way that they play it and yet there is no tension in the film it's a bad film um, and it's really unfortunate I was so looking forward to it and it's just unfortunate that said that's, um,
1: that's, a, I said this to you before I'm, I didn't actively dislike it when I was watching it it's a very yeah.
0: slick good it's, looking movie it, it is it's very nicely done it's got a great cast the director is good but it's so lacking in any sense of script um, it's just stupid. And uh, oh, uh, even the guy who played Spyglass, I've forgotten his name. He's great. Yeah. 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 I can't remember his name. He's great. Anyway, so... Uh, so and the 80s
1: look. So now. yeah, so fresh.
0: So before we get into it, that plus, uh, I guess there's no way... Even saying that there's a spoiler is kind of going to spoil it. But I'm going to preface this now. If you haven't seen the usual suspects, okay... <laughs> Um, We will get into spoilers for the usual suspects as well, because that's going to come up because essentially that's kind of, by the way, given away (laughs) Atomic Blonde's big twist, right? That if you've seen the usual suspects, you know what Atomic Blonde's are going to do because it's the same movie. Um, But spoilers for both coming up. Spoilers for both. Anyway, uh, so Atomic Blonde. I'm going to do a quick synopsis of Atomic Blonde because even though in the last episode I said, hey... Uh, we don't really need to do them anymore because people only watch the podcasts if they've seen the thing. Um, Listen to the podcast. uh, Yeah, people listen to the podcast. you know. (laughs) If only if they watched the thing we're talking about, the hilarity being, before people saw that episode, over the course of the weekend, two completely different people told me, I love the way you synopsized the figs. And particularly the inglorious Bastard one. So... Uh, both Johnny White and Chris Hilton said this. Johnny White, uh, he once asked a question. He worked for McKee at one point as well. Yeah. And Chris Hilton is the guy who wrote the one-star review on iTunes, which if you haven't read the one-star review on iTunes that we've got, it's amazing. It's just so funny. Uh, it's really good. And we uh, are still accepting more one-star reviews.
1: <laughs> Anything one star or above, it was, we'll take it. Yeah,
0: uh, Yeah, it's very funny. So, but they... they um, they both said they enjoy it because it reminds them. Uh, that's why okay. people are reminded. So I'm going to give I'm some. Not to I'm not arguing. But the compromise. I'm going you. to do a compromise though, which is I'm going to synopsize it, but I'm going to keep them short because, especially when it comes to shows like films or films, whatever, like Atomic Blonde, where I'm boring myself talking about. Shall them, I right? yell
1: at you when you get boring? <sighs> you can. Okay.
0: You're going to yell at me now, aren't you? Yeah, you are. I can, <laughs> I can tell you didn't see his face. You didn't see his face. I knew it. Okay, Atomic Blonde. So, Skip to the end. Uh, she turns out to be Kaiser Serze.
1: Bam! <laughs>
0: so, um, the Atomic Blonde is set in the 1980s for no reason. Um, it's true. There's no reason. It's set just so it opens with this infographic going, uh, the Berlin Wall fell at a certain point in time in space Uh, 1989 or whatever it's like bam Berlin Wall fell and then it goes this is not that story with like a big graffiti thing on it you go is this an alternate world where the Berlin Wall doesn't fall then it takes place in 1989 so already I'm confused I don't understand why they've done it that way um and it, I think it's that they've said, yeah, hey, the Berlin Wall fell in 1989, but we're not going to talk about the fall of the Berlin Wall. Then they proceed to talk about the fall of the Berlin Wall. It, anyway, so straight away, the opening credit thing, I'm just already aware that this film does not know what the hell it's doing, uh, except it wants to have a nice and it is a really stylish 80s uh, graffiti punk look to it. Yeah. It does have that. That's really distinct. That's really cool. And granted, that's very 80s. So that's why you would set it the 80s. But the whole point of the film is it's set there. That...
1: This is not a really good reason to love a movie, but I, de- I did love the costumes.
0: Yeah, me too. Yeah. I Yeah, I thought they were really cool. I liked that. I'm like, oh, that's cool. But why are you setting it in this world? And it's like they want to do it. In, they wanted to set it in the Berlin Wall era, right? That's the...
1: where you have to set these kind of, Spy stories. Well, they right? wanted
0: to do it specifically because the cool thing about the Berlin Wall is that it's kind of like Casablanca in that you have all the different factions it, sort of concentrated in the same um, place, C, C, yeah. right? So it's not you don't have to do any globe trotting, you don't have to explain where people are, and people are trapped in that place. So that's why it's, it, it's a, if you wanted to do a really cool Everyone's like spy story with different sides and so forth that people inherently understand the politics of the Berlin Wall era makes a lot of sense. It's a really cool place to do it. Um, so it, it's it's fine. But, for example, um, if you, right now there's a lot of tension between America and Russia because of Donald Trump. <laughs> Right, and his incredible collusion—you know, his arrested development quite a level of collusion—light light treason. treason. <laughs> right? It's just so. Um, but it's so. Let's say you wanted to set it in the present day to take advantage of the heightened relations between America and Russia. Where would you set it today? Where's a place you could put it? Right, there isn't one. There isn't a place where America and Russia inherently are trapped together, whereas the Berlin Wall has that. Not unless you're writing a sitcom, right? <laughs> that would be a, that would be a sitcom, wouldn't it? <laughs> anyway, so uh, so th- so it's set in the Berlin Wall. F- I guess just for that cool reason. I guess because the g- graphic novel probably came out in the '80s and it was set there. I don't know. Um, I don't know the history of the graphic novel. Neither do I, and I don't care to find out. So. <laughs> um, So the film opens with Charlize Theron... And she's had the crap kicked out of her... And she's taking uh, an ice cold bath... By
1: the way, just on the note of of boredom for the audience... It just took three minutes for you to explain the graffiti title sequence...
0: Yeah, but I felt This is
1: longer than it took in the movie...
0: (sighs) There's so much to unpack here... (laughs) Uh, so, um, So it opens with Charlize Theron... She's in a bathtub, ice cold bathtub... She's had the crap kicked out of her... She then goes to MI6... And she gets interviewed in an interrogation room by Je- uh, John Goodman and Toby Jones, and they start interrogating her. And she ha- doesn't want to talk to John Goodman because he's part of the CIA. By the way, and she I, wants to keep it secret. What? Well, I've got it.
1: Well, I I resent the word. One of my big problems with the movie was that I resent the word "interrogate." They didn't interrogate. They prompted her to tell her story.
0: Yes, and also or they called it debriefing or whatever. Yeah. But the subtext is it's an interrogation.
1: I didn't get the, the notion there was any subtext it really felt oh, like there was, oh and
0: what happens next and what happens next yeah, that's, no, you're quite right that is exactly what the film is but the actors put this incredible subtext oh, into it right. So, right? because like, they're good because they're amazing they just sat down and immediately like the way John Goodman says a thing and the way she says a thing and the way Toby Jones says a thing oh man these people have a history they don't but you, <laughs> it feels like they do and so then it cuts back to 10 days earlier And what happened is one of their agents gets killed by a Russian agent um, and he steals his watch. Okay? And it turns out that this watch has on it a file, a microfilm. And the microfilm has all the names of all the agents in the Cold War. If I'm right. Okay? Yes. Uh, And I may have blanked out at that moment. Because I was bored. But I couldn't remember if in they the, specified... In the opening sequence. I was... Yeah. I couldn't remember... If, I really couldn't remember if I, if they specified which sides agents were on there or if it was all of them or anything. I had to work out by the nature of what made sense in the story. It's all of them, isn't it? I can't remember if they say that or not. That's all I'm saying. So they might have said it and I missed it because I don't know. But regardless, you it has to be all the agents on it. Okay. So all the agents are on it, and so the idea is whoever can get the microfilm, okay, um, will know all the agents on the other side, right? Because it has all the agents on it, okay. So if yeah. the if the Russia gets it, bad. If Britain gets it, well, good for Britain, but bad for Russia. Everybody wants it. Everyone wants it. Okay, so she's sent to Berlin under the guise of being the lawyer of the of the British agent who died, who's gone to Berlin to get his body out of Berlin. She's sent, she sent to Berlin to get the files, and apparently they have another agent, played by James McAvoy, who ha, will be able to get the files. Plus, there is another person in Berlin called Spyglass, who was the person who made the microfilm. And we find out that James McAvoy meets Spyglass, and Spyglass tells him that he has a photographic memory and has memorized the microfilm. So basically, Spyglass with a microfilm... They both have all the information on them. The Russians are trying to find uh, the microfilm. They're trying to find Spyglass as well. It then turns out that on this microfilm is the identity of a double agent called Satchel. Okay. And so Satchel is another thing that they're trying to find out. So she goes to Berlin and immediately she gets picked up in a car uh, by people and she realises that they are enemy spies and she instantly kills them in a very cool scene then James McAvoy comes in to help her out of the car and she almost kills him thinking he's a bad guy but he's like no 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 It's like, oh yeah yeah okay fine so they get together and off they go and then they sort of pursue the microfilm and spyglass and then they get into things that happen <laughs> Things happened. I, seriously, I'm drawing blanks. I've forgotten what's <laughs> happened next. Um, some spies... At the, of, at the
1: end of the day, you can't deny that things happened. Time passed.
0: Time passed and something happened, to quote Stuart Lee. Um, so, then they a lot of people die. Um, and... Um, okay, look. I, so, I'm not joking. I'm watching the film and I genuinely... I genuinely, out loud, at one point in the film, went, oh, for fuck's sake, right? I don't normally do this, but it was involuntary. It just came out. There is a hitman in the film that Charlize Theron, there's a bit where she's... I can't even remember why she's in the theatre, but whatever. She's running away from some henchmen, some Russian goons, and one of them she stabs with keys in his face. Oh, yeah. Right? And he continues to fight with a key lodged in his face. And I'm like, how strong is she? How impervious to pain can this man possibly be? Right? So he's got this key and he pulls out the key, and there's a hole in it. It's like, holy, what? Like that. And so he keeps going, right? Then she meets him a second time and they have another fight. And this is the big Alphonse Quaron, children of men fight scene that the film is kind of hoping you will forgive it for. And it is a really cool scene where it's done like almost in one take. And yeah. it's this enormous action sequence. And it's Beautiful. very, it's really well done. Uh, and, uh, and it's one of those, it's a bit like a, also the first season of Daredevil where it, because it doesn't cut from time, you see all the panting and exhaustion yeah. That comes from trying to fight. It's at exhausting that to what? It's, and it's in good. a good way. Yeah. yeah, it's a good scene. And at the end of that scene, she kills that henchman. The henchman has returned and she kills that henchman. They get out in the car and as they're driving away, he comes back and jumps on the car and she runs him over twice. And when he jumps on the car, that's when I yelled out loud because (laughs) I couldn't believe he was still alive. How many times do you have to kill him? That was like the fourth time he died in the film. It was ridiculous. It was almost cartoonish. It was just so stupid. And I didn't understand why because this guy doesn't have a name. (laughs) (laughs) like he's 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 like out of nowhere in this film that's sort of graffiti punk serious uh like that there's a james bond villain running around like odd job or something it just makes no sense at all and i didn't get it and it annoyed me so this is why i'm finding trouble it's just a series of essentially fight scenes that sort of string together for no real reason then um uh, it's just It's just boring Then So The the climax of the film Is They try to smuggle Spyglass and the watch Out At the same time um, Someone tips them off We presume it's Satchel
1: No the watch has gone missing so The watch has gone missing The watch oh. has gone missing um okay. Because uh, We see that Percival, McAvoy's character, has right. taken it. Oh yeah, McAvoy so, took it, yeah. So McAvoy
0: seems to be uh, doing a lot to... of duplicitous things. Yeah. Which leads us to believe he's satchel. Um, and then she's she... he scuppers the
1: so they they collude to try and take um, Spyglass Spy Glass over Spy the, over the border. Yeah. So, uh, Percival looks like he's the one that scuppers it because he, yeah. um, he shoots. Uh, he shoots. He uh, shoots Spy a spyglass. He, he does. Yes. And so you think he's satchel. The, that scene plays out. The uh, spyglass dies. Yes. And he then... dr- they
0: they go off the uh, go off uh, into the <clears throat> river in the car, and spyglass drowns in the car. Um, that, I was already feeling, that was a good scene. I,
1: I was already feeling out of
0: breath because of the yeah. previous 15-minute so,
1: action sequence. Then when they're in the car and yeah. they can't breathe, I'm like...
0: <laughs> See, the pieces of business... Are actually quite cool. That whole sequence where they try to smuggle him out and and uh, McAvoy shoots him, and then they go off in the car, and they have that. That's where they have that whole exhausting one take fight and everything. And all the individual pieces, it looks cool. The acting is good. The set pieces are nicely done. Everything, but the story just doesn't work underneath it, which is why it's even impossible. I can't even really recollect what was going on. And I remember when I was watching it, I'm just like, I can't, I can't be bothered to follow this film. Because this doesn't seem worth it. And here's the thing. So as this is happening, it keeps cutting back to the interrogation room where Charlize Theron is telling the story. Okay? So then it cuts back, and we see what happened to Percival. And what happens to Percival is she chases down Percival. Percival's been spying on and all that stuff. He tries to kill... Sophie. He does kill, in fact, Sofia Butella, yeah. who is um, a, a French spy that Charlize Theron has sex with. Um... And then he kills her. So Shirley Strong goes on a rampage, finds him, kills him. And he's saying to her, like, um, you know, how are you going to make this play? And she says, like, you know, your satchel. And he's like, oh, that's how you're going to make it work. Okay. Like that. And so she kills him. So we go, oh, she, she's killed satchel. There we go. And then um, uh, that plays out, right? And then they go, okay, fine. That's all done. And they let her out the interrogation room mystery solved, right? Satchel's dead, Spyglass is dead, uh, the the watch is gone, uh, right? The watch is missing, we don't know what happened to the watch, um, and uh, so it's all done, right? And she did what she could. Then, uh, the Russian uh, agent, not the hitman who killed at the beginning, because he gets killed unceremoniously halfway through the film, uh, his boss, I think, um, is meeting Charlize Theron in a hotel, and he talks to her and it turns out she has the watch because she's actually satchel and he gets in his KGB guys to kill her and she has somehow smuggled a gun into the room in a totally preposterous manner it's in the champagne ice bucket I don't know how that's possible but that's how it is there she pulls out the gun she kills all the agents kills the Russian guy then gets on a plane with John Goodman who's the CIA agent and it turns out they were working together all along And then that's the film.
1: Yeah. And also, in that scene, that's the only inclination, the only clue you get into why she has done all this. Why is she Satchel? No, no, why she's Satchel, why she's betrayed the British government. What was it? Uh, She blames the British government for uh, some of the atrocities, I think, in Berlin.
0: Oh, Oh, yeah, something something like that. It's unclear, but the only clue
1: you get is that line as she kills. Yeah,
0: and it's not even really important why. She's just a triple agent. I argue
1: in this case, it is. No,
0: we just want to know what she wants,
1: not why. You know, sure, sure.
0: And so we don't know what she wants is the problem. Yeah, but if we knew what she wanted, it wouldn't matter why she's betrayed the government so much. Um, So you know what I mean. But anyway, that's so the film I mean it's not terrible it's watchable it's stylish it goes at a nice pace and there's some good moments in it and as I say the acting is great and it looks great but fundamentally that was
1: my fear I didn't feel like I'd wasted my time watching it
0: my problem with it was I had zero patience for this film just none at all and for me it was just like watching the film I, 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 I couldn't I mean partly this might be me but i personally was just like i'm i'm ju- i have so little time for this nonsense right now i know
1: you would have disliked it anyway cuz i yeah. i know i know your taste um but do you think my warning you that it wasn't good kind of reduced your amount of patience probably right
0: cuz i wasn't going to go see it right uh i wanted to see it and then when um uh, it came out and I wasn't hearing anything about it I'd lost interest in it Then when I heard it was bad I'm like well I'm not going to bother And then when we thought we'll do a podcast on it I'm like okay but I had I had no patience for it And I've I've been in that position before And things win me over But sure. I had so little patience Which is why I presume You know at the beginning With the opening credits I'm like you didn't make that clear enough So that's on you <laughs> Carry on now like they, they had, I mean the, to be fair to the film It had to work probably hard twice as hard to win me over. Yeah. But the fact that it isn't good didn't help. Um, so anyway, uh, that's, it's unfortunate. So, okay. I was really looking forward to it. And it could have been great, by the way. It could have been great. We could have had the female James Bond here. We could have done Because Charlize Theron is amazing. Um, the The style of it was nothing like Bond. Because Bond, Bond is very sort of like debonair, cool, sophisticated, suave. This was graffiti punk. Yeah. And graffiti punk and the woman spy and all that like this could have been a whole new entity that could have started I mean the name Atomic Blonde is a pretty cool name yeah. and so on so the only problem is they said in the 80s if they'd made it contemporary they could have possibly breathed life into it in the same way Born yeah. had its own thing but it couldn't survive past uh, Matt Damon was the problem with the Bond films. Yeah. Um, Bond being able to survive past all the different actors. So, Charlize Theron could have been the f- like the Sean Connery of this character. Yeah. And she, and if that was in in her mind, she could have then planned. I'm gonna do a few films, and then pass the torch on torch on to the next person. All the reviews I read
1: are already talking about number two.
0: Yeah, I, I can't see how there's a second one in this. But yeah. uh, but it's unfortunate because um, it could it it had. If it had a if it had a different screenplay, we could. Everything else was in place yeah. for it to work, but because the foundation is so bad. Well, it's been yeah. long
1: enough. Let's start talking about that. So, start, yeah, let's focus on the MacGuffin for for starters. What is the MacGuffin? Yeah.
0: So the big problem with this film, the reason that it's the spine of action seems so just uh, incoherent. Is because the MacGuffin is so unclear. And what the MacGuffin is, the MacGuffin is the thing that everyone wants. That um, whoever has it has power, right? That's basically how it's defined by Hitchcock and McKee. Um, and the MacGuffin, basically, just uh, quick couple of examples. Oh, the with the One Ring in Lord of the Rings. Sure. Um, the That's letters, the letters on. of transit in Casablanca. Cool. Um, so whoever has it has power, right? Great. So the thing about the MacGuffin, though, is it's a bit more than that. It's a little genre-specific because when we say it's the thing that everyone wants and whoever has it has power, the power is dependent on what genres are at play because what we mean by power is they ha- it has the capacity to alter the core value of the genre, right? So in a story, in an action story, for example, the MacGuffin has to give you power over life and death. If the MacGuffin doesn't give you power over life and death, it doesn't matter to the action story because the action story is about life and death. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So if the Ark of the Covenant is just worth money, <laughs> this doesn't really work, right? I
1: mean, in a crime story, that a MacGuffin... Well,
0: might... there's, there's some genres don't have MacGuffins. They just don't need them at all. Some genres. Yeah, yeah some genres just yeah. don't require them. Other genres, they have different... The, the term MacGuffin really yeah. is saved for... Stories where it's an externalized sense of power, as opposed to uh, other genres. So, for example, education stories kind of have a MacGuffin, which is that list, that er- list of errands. That if the p- protagonist has these things, they'll have a meaningless, meaningful life. Yeah. So, like in about Schmidt, it's you have to have family, a job, uh, and people you know, people who love you. A- that's the MacGuffin, in that yeah, sense. Which funny. is
1: in um. Uh, it's, it feels slightly more ephemeral,
0: ephemeral it, it, in an it, education block. Exactly, which is why calling it a MacGuffin doesn't seem quite right. Yeah. Uh, but the principle is similar, which is the whole point of it is to help people, or, or rather to not help people, but rather to make the audience understand the dynamic changes in the story as a protagonist gets to or away from their desire. Because the MacGuffin isn't necessarily the desire, but it might be. But the MacGuffin has the capacity to bring about the desire, right? Yeah. So in action, you see, it's very different because in action, the MacGuffin gives you power of life and death, and it's the villain that wants it, yeah. Or the villain that has it, and so the hero is trying to stop the villain from using the MacGuffin. So like, Frodo's keeping the One Ring from Sauron, yeah. Okay. Um. In um. And also, there's another reason to do this, which is to uh uh create, as I say. The dynamic turns, so the political thriller, which is about war and peace, will have a MacGuffin, because that thing will turn the value from war to peace, peace to war, Yeah. right? Um, but crime stories don't need MacGuffins, because instead they have lots of clues. Sure. Um, and so th- they have lots of clues. As you try to see the detective and the criminal hide and uncover clues back and forth. You uh, you don't really get uh, MacGuffin, except you, I mean you could again. And it does it doesn't help to call it this, but you could say there's the key clue. That's what that's the example know? I was going to. Yeah, you to could out. go like there's one key clue that once they find it, that's the thing that buries them in court. Yeah. Right. But it's 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 not the same. It's not the same thing. Uh, because the part, the fun of clues is that there's loads of them and you piece them yeah. together. The MacGuffin's not about that. The MacGuffin is about clarifying. So it's the design. same.
1: It's the same with any principle. So yeah. yes, you could do that, but ask yourself why.
0: Yeah, it, it, you could put MacGuffin in any genre, but um, some genres require it and some genres don't. Yeah, I guess it's a way of doing it. It's a, it's a convention. Action requires it. I think action and, and political thrillers do because I think if you had a political thriller that didn't have a MacGuffin. Like, The Hunt for the Red October, what's The MacGuffin in The Hunt for the Red October? The Red October? Exactly. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's the name of the film. What is yeah. it in The Ipcris Ip- Files? It's The Ipcris Files, right? It's like, it's always, there's always, a, it's always a key thing that will totally shift the balance of power. Yeah. And that's because um, political thrillers are different to crime stories. They're not about uncovering and hiding clues. They're about seeing how war or peace will come about and so on. So there's it's a it's a different way of. Quick
1: question, because I know it'll be going through the mind of some of the listeners. Um, I said we we've said it's a it's a key convention in action. Yeah. Does action have to have a MacGuffin? There's
0: always a MacGuffin in action because um, but it's sometimes it's a character. Right. So Neo is the MacGuffin in The Matrix, uh, whereas the MacGuffin in Jaws is Jaws. Sure. Uh, Princess Buttercups, the MacGuffin, and the Princess Bride. Yeah. So the MacGuffin can be a character, it can be a thing, um, but some genres require it, other genres don't. And what's interesting is why certain genres need it and why some genres don't need it. Um, uh, but that's a whole thing. So, okay. The, so
1: let's talk about Atomic Blonde's so, MacGuffin.
0: Yeah. So Atomic Blonde has three, right? It has the watch with the microfilm, it has Spyglass, and it has uh, the identity of Satchel. Okay. Uh, those are the three um, uh, MacGuffins. And one of the big problems with Spyglass is if he knows everything that's on the watch he knows who Satchel is. So the film doesn't make any sense.
1: That's a very, very good point. Because he trusts her. Yeah. And
0: he trusts Percival and it doesn't make any sense at all. I'm si- I was sitting there as soon as he came on and goes I know what everyone on to listen he knows who Satchel is. So I'm waiting and he never announced who Satchel is like that makes no sense. He wouldn't trust Satchel.
1: Interesting.
0: He, he has an enormous amount of power in the film and he never uses it. Uh, and he trusts... So, the, However, however, there is an actual escape hatch for this plot hole. Which is when you realise that she's Kaiser Soze the entire thing. Yeah. So how much of what happened actually happened?
1: So there's no indication that what she tells them didn't ha- happen?
0: Th- there's no indication anything she said happened, happened. However, you know it did, because what James McAvoy says, if, if she was telling the story, James McAvoy would be Satchel. Yes. But he's not in the flashback, right? So the flashback are events that really did happen. They're not made up by her. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Whereas in The Usual Suspects, that's not the case. In The Usual Suspects, you realize everything he's told you could be a complete lie.
1: You know, I think that's a, quite a good fix for the entire movie.
0: Well, that everything's a lie.
1: Well, yeah, because it it would explain how preposterously uh, how uh, how preposterously everybody fights. Yeah, <laughs> right it, it would explain all kinds of things. Government. Like you, anyway. Okay, anyway, we'll move on.
0: So three. So this the, these three MacGuffins. Now, the first problem when you have multiple MacGuffins is, as I explained, the MacGuffin is not necessarily the object of desire, but it's the key to it. If it's not what people want, it's what will give people what they want. Okay, Mm. that's what it is. So it's the people don't just want the files. They want what the files will give them. Right. Which is the power to win the Cold War. Yeah. Okay. So um, if you have more than one MacGuffin, you immediately are saying there's more than one desire or there's more than one way to the desire. And uh, as a result, you immediately make the story harder to follow because people don't know what what they're watching happen. The whole point of a MacGuffin is to clarify desire. Having multiple MacGuffins completely undoes that because now the audience is focused on three levels. You can't focus someone on multiple things. The word focus means to specify attention. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm. So if you emphasize three MacGuffins, the audience doesn't can't emphasize on three separate things. So you, it's as if you have none it just makes it confusing because the audience is trying to work out all three of them you see what I mean mm-hmm. so that it's, it's just one of those things where like people oh I want to make it more complex like it's not a question of complexity it's a quite like you can have one MacGuffin that's in four parts like Ghost Protocol has that that's complex yeah but it's clear the inf- because the one infinity least-
1: gauntlet in Avengers is f- f-
0: it's six. Six? It's six. six. There's six gems. And yeah, they put them together and you make the gauntlet. Like it's six pieces. It's like, okay, you follow each one, right? You It follows from one to the other. So it's not that you couldn't have three different things that create the MacGuffin. Mm. It's having three different ones. Notice,
1: you mentioned Ghost Protocol. Notice in that example how there are four different bits to the MacGuffin, but they are pursued one at a time. Yeah. Not Concurrently, Concurrently, yeah,
0: yeah, and you can follow from one to the next. There's a cause and effect, there's a progression to it, and so it's complex, right? It's complicated, but you can follow it, yeah. Uh, but with this, the problem is you're being told to focus on three separate things, uh, and you're trying to combine them in your head, but the film isn't doing it properly, anyway. So, on the one hand. You've got so there's two fundamental problems with these three. The first thing is spyglass and the microfilm are the same exact thing. Yeah. So there's two of them. So immediately there's a stalemate. We'll take spyglass, you take the film. Done. There's a there's a peace settlement, there's a compromise that's available, right? There's two. If they lose Spyglass, they get the, the, the watch. If they get the watch, they don't need... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you can have a thing where it's possible that one person can get one piece of the MacGuffin. Then it's not a big deal if they get the other If the other one. What you'd have to do is you'd have to do it like this. You'd have to have one of the pieces of the MacGuffin get out of Berlin. Say the Russians get the watch. Yeah. Then Spyglass is now really important. Yeah. Right? But what, all you've done is you've basically gone this one MacGuffin, right? You've just... You know what I mean? You just removed one. From you just, the re- I just removed one. And that's <laughs> it. it's just, it, it's, so really, it doesn't work. So by having two, it just immediately makes it less intense and less dramatic because yeah. you're going I, every time they had a scene where they're trying to make Spyglass safe, she, like that big fight where she's trying to protect Spyglass. Yeah, I'm just like, but if she can let him die, because she can just, then just focus her efforts on the watch, right? And it doesn't matter if she does get him out because if she does get him out and the Russians get the watch then they haven't got a balance of power. She has to get both out, right? Yeah. Uh, For it to really mean anything. Yeah. Otherwise, it's no score draw either way. And really, why is everyone killing each other? If the Russians have the watch, they don't need to do this. Plus, there was also another problem, which was uh, a plot hole in the thing, which was that the guy who stole the watch at the beginning is trying to sell it, and they have a whole thing about someone's trying to sell the watch. Who to? Who wants to buy this watch? If he's Russian and he has the watch, right?
1: Oh, that... Sorry, that guy. Yeah,
0: like, who's he selling it to? He sells it to the Russians. He sells it to the British. It it doesn't make any sense that he's trying to sell this watch to people... Because whoever he sells it to has all the information on the other side, right? Yeah. so Spyglass has that. So it's just like, well, if I sell it to the Russians, then okay, then the British will get the Spyglass. Like it, like you, yeah, you buy the watch. We don't care. We'll get Spyglass. Yeah. You know, it 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 doesn't like who 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 wants to buy all this information? The information is only value only half of it's valuable. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a weird thing. Like what you would do, you would think is you get the microphone, you split it in two, and you sell the British, the Russian agents, and you sell the Russia, the British agents. That's how. You, anyway. It, Anyway, so she's walking around with a watch that only half of it is valuable to somebody. And they're like, why? They're just going to kill you. Like Why would they honor it? Uh, plus, you're Russian. Why are you selling out? Anyway, so it, it's just anyway. So the point is, is it splits the spine. Right? It's it's it, it, this one doesn't split the spine. This one just makes the spine really unimportant. I oh, mean, those two. Sorry. Yeah, those yeah, two. Okay. Because what happened? Imagine if like you're watching a film, like, say, for example, there's the two rings. Okay, Frodo's like, oh no, I lost one of them. Well, we got the other one. Two rings to rule them all. Yeah, exactly. Like, Frodo's off with the ring, Aragorn's off with another ring. It's like, oh, which one's going to get... So so long as one of them's got the ring, it's okay, right? It would just... just, You can see, like, the intensity of the film just goes... Right? So it doesn't... It's not great. Then um, the other problem is that... So that's the spyglass watch problem. The other problem is the satchel problem. Because Satchel is a completely different MacGuffin to the other two. Because the other two are about, hey, you get to know all the agents. Satchel is a double agent, right? So whoever knows who the double agent is can then take out uh, the double agent and therefore win the... So there's a whole different balance of power with Satchel. So uncovering the identity of Satchel. And that splits the spine of action in half. Because now it's not just if they get the stuff over... Uh, the border to their side it's also who is satchel so you're asking two questions will they get the who's gonna win the war basically but and who is satchel you're asking two completely separate questions yeah. that they're trying to link through a MacGuffin and as a result it's just it's a, it's already an it, like a story that's trying to mislead you red herrings and stuff and now you're going wait hold on wait, what 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 happens if they get what they want? And then once you realize you don't really understand that, you don't understand the politics. It's very hard to remain intrigued with the film because you're just like you're tr- constantly That's trying to. That's why work I said
1: the question of why was important to me because what happens when she gets what she wants? Like she gets the watch, she wins at the end. And yeah. Uh, th- then I was asking. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why does she betray everybody?
0: Yeah. W- what does she want out of this stuff? Sure. So what does Satchel want? What does um. Uh, what do the like so if the Russian so here's the thing the British know who all their agents are so if the Russians get the watch the British just pull their agents out it's a it's a problem yeah but no one really dies as a result and they just have to send new agents in or whatever um I mean it's uh, and, and vice versa and so everyone's killing everyone over it but it's just like the Berlin Wall's about to come down anyway yeah so what's the big deal? Your agents aren't gonna be in each other's territories because it's the Berlin Walls guy. So there's this whole sense of like the even if the film explained this stuff, it's just not clear. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how much you explain something if you if it's just it doesn't make sense in and of itself that there's this thing. So and, and again you got satchel, so you've got this whole problem, which is just like you've got three different MacGuffins Uh, There's a redundancy between two of them. And then it splits the spine of action with the other one. And uh, it's a problem.
1: Dimensions.
0: Yeah, and because of this, because the spine of action is just... Just a a mess. They can't dimensionalise Charlize Theron's character. Uh, And you can tell she has no dimensions because she's the same in every scene. Um, Every scene she's the same. She's just this rebellious, hard-ass in every scene, and the way she fights is the same in every scene, uh, she always fights the same way she hides around a corner they come through the door, she then hits them in the throat and ambushes them and she does it over and over again throughout the film um, and she has no dimensions because uh, you can't dimensionalize her, because the spine of action doesn't make sense, you've got to constantly keep reminding people with exposition who's doing what, why they're doing what you can't really progress the story, etc So it, it just doesn't... Th- the spine of action doesn't allow you to have scenes where she acts differently because uh, she has to basically play every scene out three times on the satchel way on the microfilm way and on the spyglass way so it's just the constant it's a constant repetition of the same three things over, yeah. and, over and over again and so she just can't progress or dimensionalize. and uh, yeah it doesn't work okay so genre yeah, so the, part of the problem why the, the MacGuffin isn't working is because um, Atomic Blonde could have got, basically could have gone one of three different genres, and they didn't know which one. They really didn't. So one genre is action, could have gone action. Uh, the other genre it could have gone is political thriller. And the other genre it could have gone is crime. There's a crime story.
1: Yeah.
0: So the the action story is uh about safeguarding the lives of agents in Berlin. Right? That's what the action story is about. Yeah. Protecting agents. So if they find the if the if the Russians get the file, all the British agents are going to get killed. So that's the action story. Um uh, or the action story is protecting Spyglass. Yeah. Okay? So the whole point is like if Spyglass dies, the British lose the war. And again, it all Spyglass really needs to know to make this make sense is that uh, he has all the knowledge of the Russian agents. Or, I mean, in fact, he, him just having the knowledge of the British agents is enough. Uh, because they have to get him. They have to stop the Russians from getting him. But then it changes because then they want to kill Spyglass. They don't care if he lives. Zoom in. Yeah, but anyway the point is the action story focuses either on the life of the agents or of Spyglass or both Uh, so it's about that can she save the agents can she save Spyglass okay fine the other one is the political thriller and the political thriller is these things will cause the Russians to win the war okay and if the Russians win the Cold War the Berlin Wall doesn't fall right or, that's, that, that, or Berlin gets taken over, something, right? So the Cold War doesn't end. We understand that the Berlin Wall fell because the Cold War ended. That's the implication of that event, right? Yeah. So if the files will stop the Berlin Wall from falling, what that means is that there has to be... You have to now explain why the Berlin Wall fell and what possible information there is that would stop the Berlin Wall from falling, Okay? At this later date.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: And so now the whole film is about her trying to make sure the Berlin Wall falls. Okay? And so the MacGuffin keeps the wall up. Yeah. Right? Essentially. Fine. The third one is the crime story. And the crime story is who is Satchel? That's that story. Okay? And it's basically a it's a who-done it. Yep. Who killed the British agent? Who's this who's the double agent? Who is Satchel? Okay? And so you go through the story. I mean, you could even have a thing uh, which could be quite cool, which is that you pretend that there's a MacGuffin because what you do is you go, uh, they're looking for the satchel. And so she goes into Berlin looking for the satchel and everyone is thinking that the satchel is like a microfilm. It's a case that has information in it. It turns out it's not a case. It's a person satchel is a person it's a double agent that would be a nice reveal like at act one you go like it turns out that the MacGuffin is a human being it's not an object lying around somewhere in berlin and so then it's like okay hold on hold on it's now shifted right from political thriller or whatever into crime because now they're she's trying to find the identity of a certain person yeah and so she plays detective right so those are your three things and the film doesn't make them work right it just kind of does them all separately whereas if you look at say um, Ghost Protocol um, Ghost Protocol is an action political thriller hybrid and it has a crime story subplot in it uh, Sodorov the Russian yeah. cop is chasing them he has a crime story yeah. uh, as a subplot and it's kind of funny uh, It's it's really good but it's kind of funny um, and the, but the main plot is an action political thriller right? because it's not just that he's going to start war he's going to start nuclear war and he's going to kill loads of innocent people in San Francisco to start it yeah. Right? so loads of people are going to die so it combines the two um, so it's not that you couldn't uh, combine these three things it's that it didn't do it very well and straight away you could so my feeling is the way to look at how you would fix something like this is you would sit down and you would you go to the clearest before you go to the most opaque. So instead of trying to combine them straight off the bat, you would instead focus on breaking down the three possible views as pure as possible and then trying to see how they bridge them. You You see what I mean? explain so okay the first thing is you go okay let's forget all the action all the political thriller forget all that stuff let's just write a really cool crime story oh i see how would okay. you make it a cool crime story and she go okay fine she goes to berlin looking for the satchel it turns out the satchel is actually a double agent that no one realized it's not uh it's not a file it's a person and uh, so spyglass is spyglass the satchel or not he has all the information. Is he Satchel or is he not Satchel? Who is Satchel? And so you have her uncovering things. So, for example, the guy who gets shot, whose body she goes to to get out, the spy, she has her murder mystery scene. Like, okay, who shot him? How? What? Okay, how could... Hold on, he was shot. He's in his underwear. How did he get the jump on him? How did Satchel know who it was? Is Satchel a woman? Etc. Etc. right? So you start building backwards from that. So you have her play detective, all right? And as she's going through trying to work out what's going on, Satchel is obviously trying to cover up who Satchel is. Yeah. And so you have that whole thing. That would be one way of doing it. So that one, you, you could have action sequences and so on, but immediately you notice that this isn't about the Berlin Wall falling or any of that stuff. It's who is Satchel, and you've got this cool crime story as she's narrating back and forth. She's like telling the Toby Jones and John Goodman, she's telling them how she deduced things. So you have a scene where she's looking at the body and not saying anything, but then you cut to the interrogation and she takes them through what she worked yeah. out and what she deduced. Right? So she becomes a full on detective, right? Detective story. that Okay? The other, other option is you flip it. Alright. And you have her trying to cover up her tracks. <laughs> okay. As Satchel. You can flip well, it this, right. is
1: what, this is what I thought the movie should be. Yeah, that's... The interest for me lay in... In,
0: in Satchel, right? In so that's one it. way you could do it. The other thing you could do is let's make it a political thriller, okay? And so now it's all about the politics of what causes the Berlin Wall to fall. And so now you're looking at things like The Hunt for Red October where there's a lot of... It's not just her running around in Berlin. Now you've got to have her talking with agents with... She has to be in contact with Toby Jones a lot of the film. Uh, the film now goes a lot more globally because you have to see how the effects that they're doing affect the parliament and affect the Kremlin and so on. And so now it's about the political thrill and everything's about, will the Berlin wall fall? How would you tell that story? Then you've got the last one, which is she's trying to save agents lives. And so you have these constant stream of Russian assassins coming in, killing British agents because they've got the information and she's trying to save them all by finding out who's spilling the information Uh, taking them out, and then also getting all the British agents to safety. Or you could even change it a bit more, which is that the agents that have been killed aren't British. They're American agents. Okay? So the British agent has come in to try and find out, get the information on who the American agents are to get them out. Because they don't know who the American agents are. Right? And the Americans won't trust them or whatever. So she's on her own. But anyway, so you have an action story there. Right? And in that case, you now need a really good villain. And so Satchel now, but you don't even have Satchel. You just have the Russian guy in the, in Berlin, who's now a really good villain, who's a who has a great hitman, who's just excellent at killing people, right? And so you've got Percival and her working together to try and stop this excellent hitman from killing everyone, right? And you would go a bit more on the Bond route, I guess, in the sense that you'd have a villain mm. who's actively trying to kill people, because in the political thriller you don't need the villain, and in the crime story you need the criminal, right? So you see immediately how it shifts, right? Those are your three ways of doing it. And then you think about, okay, how do I make them work? If you really want to make them work together, how do you make them work together? And then that's a whole other thing of building these things. And then now you have things that you can do. For example, um, you can try and dimensionalize her a bit now. Uh, Because if you're doing the action one, for example, uh, you might want to really play with her brutality. right? And try and dimensionalize that with something else. So if on the one hand she's going around trying to save people and at the same time she's this brutal killer, that becomes an interesting dimension, right? Because she's protective but brutal, right? The only time she's protective in the film really is with Spyglass. And she's not really protective of him, right? Because she doesn't even care about his family. She's just trying to get him. You know what I mean? But if you have it be that she gets personally attached to the agent's like, Sophie Butella and so on. If, like, okay, Sophie Bitella is like someone she's trying to save. If she keeps getting personally attached to these people, but at the same time she's super callous and brutal, that becomes an interesting dimension. Yeah. Um, the political thriller, you play up her patriotism so that when you reveal that she's Satchel, that becomes a very interesting dimension, right? But she's not actually a patriot, right? Her yeah. characterization, super patriot, true character, traitor, right? Yeah. Uh, and in the crime uh, thing you you know again if she's Satchel same thing you can have that same dimension but in any case you can try and dimensionalize the character a lot more because you can focus the story and progress the character rather than having her sort of jump between three different things constantly um, and the other option is you just consolidate everything to Spyglass and you say Spyglass knows who all the agents are who the double agent Satchel is and Satchel is trying to kill all the other agents so that uh, before the wall falls right and so now she's on she's trying to track down satchel who is a serial killer she's trying to protect the agents from satchel and at the same time uh if satchel kills all the agents and walks out when the berlin wall falls the cold war will continue because uh uh, because satchel will now be this uh intelligence force right because the cia and the kgb and the uh, yeah. Mi5 will have lost all their power, so now satchel will be the king of spies or whatever in the new era. So you could try and combine everything by saying Spyglass knows everything, right? But then you have this problem of okay. So you- we,
1: I mean, we we got a lot of um,
0: yeah. You
1: could do this. You could. But do
0: fundamentally, that, but... you then have this big. You can't solve the main problem of the film, which is that it's the usual suspects, and we've already got that film. Which
1: is where I wanted to get to. Oh really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, 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 one of the things I wanted to mention. So how does how does usual usual suspects? make it work
0: well usual suspects so the brilliant thing about usual suspects is um, you think everything you're seeing happened Mm. and then you realise at the end he made everything up everything up right when he talks about Redfoot Redfoot's on the wall behind him right when he talks about the barbershop quartet that's on the wall he made everything up to the point where you wonder did he did the people who went on the boat with him did they think he had a limp when did he invent the limp? Right? Yeah. He must have. We we, we we presume that when he had the lineup, he must have had the limp. Verbal Kint must have been a known alias. Yeah. Right? But up until that point, you know, how much of this did he make up? Everything. Everything got made up. And so you go, ah, and I love it because McKee pointed this out. You go, what hotspur? <laughs> right because he made everything up in front of the guy from the stuff behind the guy now he's in the interrogation room and he's making this up from the things he can see behind him he's he's improvising he's improvising the whole thing and then when kuyon goes yeah, you know, Keaton was behind it. He breaks down and goes, yeah, you're right, it was Keaton, I was lying, you're right, and all that stuff, right? Because Kuyon keeps poking holes in his story, and then when he lets Kuyon come up with his own theory, he backs up Kuyon's theory and then walks out, right? And he's gone away with it. He, goes, <laughs> he just totally, he owned it. <laughs> he just got it all done. Um, and so, and there's no real inconsistencies in the crime story. The crime story is really good. Plus, you don't expect Kaiser Serze ...to be one of the people that you're watching. Yeah. Because it's not a mystery of... They go on about the one person who could identify Kaiser Serze, ...but it's not like Kaiser Serze is an alias. It's his name. Yeah. So it's just no one's seen his face. Yeah. Right? So they don't know who he is. They can't arrest him. But you don't get the sense that Kaiser Serze is an alias... ...that one of these people is Kaiser Serze hidden. So when Kuyon goes, Keaton was Kaiser Surzei... ...and he made up that whole myth... That's already a big twist. And you go, wow, that makes sense. And that's actually a setup for the real thing, which is verbal, is Kaiser Sersing. Oh, that's even better, right? Uh, like, when Pete Postlepoint picks him up, you think his name's Kobayashi? Yeah. Why? He made Kobayashi up from the name of the mug. Do you think they ever met him? Keaton and the rest? Do you think they ever met Kobayashi? Well, we don't know that guy's name, and we don't know if they ever met him. We just know that he's his friend, right? (laughs) That's it. We don't know anything, right? Atomic Blonde, you are immediately... They are asking, who is Satchel? Who is Satchel? And then there's a list of suspects, basically. And it could be Percival. They kind of hint that it's Percival very strongly. But it could be Sofia Batella's character. It could be one of the Russian agents. And then you start going, hold on, what if it's Toby Jones? Or John Goodman. Hey, she didn't want to talk to John Goodman in the interrogation room. Maybe he's Satchel, right? So who could be Satchel? Is it her? Blah, blah, blah. Mm. So you start trying to work out who Satchel is. Um, and then they reveal it to you uh, that she's Satchel. But then you've seen this thing. And as I say, the characters don't act right if she's Satchel. It's not properly set up. Um, why Spyglass is friends with her. Uh, why he didn't warn anyone that she's Satchel. Uh, why he trusted her. Yeah. Um, no,
1: the Satchel twist is not set
0: up. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Uh, as I uh, as I was watching the film and I was making a list of the suspects, I realised none of them are set up as Satchel. Any of them could be, because there's no real clues to who yeah. Satchel is. Satchel, we we haven't seen Satchel do anything. We don't know what Satchel has done etc 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 but you know someone has to be satchel and satchel isn't going to be just a random face because then if it was a random face why have you hidden it for so long yeah yeah, yeah. so you you kind of you know enough about genre see this is the problem the the store the audience knows understands the genre better than the people making the film and so as a result that we have expectations that they're not playing with properly so it's not fun to play the who is satchel game because they don't know what, what questions we're asking and when we're asking them. Yeah. And they don't know why we're asking them. So it's, um, yeah. But the usual suspects is this great crime story that you're watching Kuyon as the detective, try to uncover who, what happened on the boat. And Verbal Kind is a criminal and he's covering up clues. And Kaiser Serze is another criminal who the whole boat storyline is him trying to cover up clues. So Kint is covering up the clues that Kaiser Surze is trying to cover up that Kugno's trying to uncover, right? So you got this really cool thing and then at the end it turns out you know, <laughs> nobody did whatever it was. Like who done it? Nobody done it. Whatever it was. Who knows ah, like that. It is great. Uh, so in this you so here's the thing with the satchel thing. Who's the detective? Well, Charlie Theron, is she trying to uncover the clues? Well, there's no clues to uncover. He's, the microfilm knows who Satchel is. Spyglass knows who Satchel is. Spyglass doesn't say anything for no real reason. Um, and the microfilm, right, is readable and Percival reads it at one point, but then doesn't do anything with it with the yeah. knowledge. Um, so, who's uncovering these clues and who's hiding them? Who's the criminal? And so the idea is is like the detective is the criminal, and that was interesting when Agatha Christie did it a hundred years ago. So. But it's, it's not like Agatha Christie's stories where the narrator or the detective is the criminal doing it. She's not an unreliable narrator because what, she's, what she says happened did happen. Mm. So it doesn't, it doesn't work. What you really wanted is you wanted that scene with Jones, Goodman, and Theron. That scene, if you're going to do the sexual mystery, you have in that scene a detective and a criminal and you keep switching which one is which, right? And the way you do that is everyone in that room... Has committed acts that they've tried to cover up. So John Goodman, his CIA, did something they're not supposed to do in the Berlin at the Berlin Wall during this thing that he doesn't know Charlie Sharon knows about. Right? And he tries to cover that up. Toby Jones has made a mistake. And he's trying to like one of the things that in the film is he's trying to cover up Satchel even exists. Yeah. Right? And then Charlize Theron, if she's Satchel, she's trying to cover that up. So she gets to play detective because she knows their secrets. They don't know. So everyone in the room is trying, you know what I mean? Yeah. Then you could make that work. That's the. That's why um, your suspects, you know, the relationship between Cugnot and Kind and how they're doing the clues makes the rest of this film work, right? But in Atomic Blonde, there's no. Th- that's not happening. As you said at the beginning of this podcast, it's not an interrogation. they just sit down and ask her to tell the story that's all she does she's not a detective, they're not criminals vice versa no no one is exposing or covering up clues and so as a result it's just exposition yeah Yeah. so (laughs) Um,
1: one thing really quickly before a summary Um, I saw a response to McKee's works doesn't work um, trying to defend Atomic Blonde and it brought up I mean, basically, the intent was good. The way they were trying to uh, yeah. defend Atomic Blonde was was kind of flawed, but it brought to mind the point we've made before, mm-hmm. and we may get listeners listening to this being very angry with us because you've taken apart a movie. Yeah, particularly
0: um, it, uh, it was a movie that obviously I kind of forgot as I was watching it, and so as a result, uh, I've probably said things that the film tries to address, but. The to me, it's not a question of expositional problems. It's a question of specific structural problems. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it doesn't matter if there's clues that I missed because she's not a detective. Do you yeah. know what I mean, it does, yeah. just doesn't matter.
1: Well, I mean, this this is kind of the point that um you've made you've made this point in, in a previous podcast. But there's a difference between uh, taste and like objectively yeah something apart. It's okay to like movies that don't work.
0: Yeah or sometimes you just say well that's not a great example of the point that you're yeah. trying to illustrate and it's like okay yeah but
1: you know but what what I'm trying to say is if anybody's listening to it going yeah sure well, enough what but was I the, enjoyed what was the what was
0: the person who the person who liked it what were they what was their what did they think what what would they think was good about it? What were they defending about it?
1: It made money, and that's okay. And movie, oh. if a movie makes money, surely it's a success. So why, oh, so that, that why old chestnut. Yeah, why yeah. are you saying it doesn't work?
0: Yeah, why why if it's bad didn't it do? Why why if it's bad did it do well? Essentially, yeah. yeah. And the answer is obviously always the same thing. Like people go to see things they hear about. Yeah, and word of mouth is important. And uh, I mean, it would be really interesting. It'd be really interesting if movies you only paid for like in a restaurant after you watched it <laughs> and if it wasn't good enough you don't you don't pay it'd be interesting to see what the how much money certain films would make true right it'd be really interesting um it would also be really interesting to have a thing where because um, netflix can do this right uh to know if someone sat through the whole thing or did they fall asleep? I mean, Netflix yeah. can't tell if you fell asleep, but Netflix can tell if you stopped halfway through. Yeah. Right? Uh, people didn't finish this, didn't finish that. Like, it, it, the, the the metric is basically, did people buy a ticket to go see this? And fundamentally, people will go see a film if they've heard good things and the marketing campaign's on point. If, if that works, people will go see it. If it doesn't work, people won't go see it in order for it to become a huge runaway success, people have to see it multiple times, which does suggest a sense of popularity. Uh, but even then, you know, it's, it's one of those things where um, people might just go to see it for all, because they don't have good taste, or because, right. uh, you know, it because it appeals to something specific in them, but it doesn't mean it's very good. It might just be popular it's part of an event i mean there's no shortage of things that were really popular at the time and then people look back on them 10 years later and they go, what were we thinking so look at hairstyles you've
1: you've always kind of said or at least in uh, implied that that's the real test
0: for any kind of yeah, time. story time yeah give it time yeah atomic bond will atomic Bomb be interesting in 10 years no it won't be interesting by the time it comes out on dvd yeah people will have already lost interest in it um Whereas other films, the exact opposite happened. Shawshank Redemption came out, didn't do well, but every year it gains popularity. Now it's heralded. Yeah, because it's just... it Because it, it, it the marketing for it was not good. Mm. And it didn't do well, but once it came out and people started watching it and the word of mouth spread, suddenly it became one of the most beloved films ever made. So... The money thing just it doesn't work. Um,
1: Someone should do a Shawshank Prison Break mashup trailer if they haven't done already. Well, oh, I'm sure there is something like that. I'm sure <laughs> that, there is. Is it what I'm going to do immediately after you hit the stop button? <laughs> well, let's, hit, let's hit that stop button. Um, okay, then just what do we take for our own writing? Um, what's, the, what's the golden I guess nugget? the
0: thing about Atomic Blonde is really about combining genres, really. You know? You have to understand the genres before you can really throw them together and I think a good strategy for understanding what genres do I mean you start writing and at some point a story takes shape and you start having Mm. a sense of things and you might not understand what genre or genres you're writing and so sometimes what might be very interesting as an experiment is to just stop and go okay I can identify two or three different genres here let's just take one and run with it let's take another and run with it Let's take the last one, run with it. And then you can go back and try and fix them together because you can hopefully see how the demands of a certain genre make on your story. Mm. Uh, Whereas Atomic Blonde, like the MacGuffin and everything about it, just, as I said, MacGuffins are really genre specific in the way they're used. And uh, it's got three different genres uh, and three different MacGuffins. It just doesn't work.
1: We good? Yep. You're boring me. I'm
0: bored. (laughs) Skadoosh.